and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4.6 states my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. We as a people will turn this around. Proverbs 4.7 states wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. Though thy getting get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to get to get involved in the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforandawakening.com, which is the homepage and catch the live audio, the audio at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and the live audio will be streaming there also. We're streaming at a bb2me.com that's a-b-i-b-i-t-u-m-i dot com forward slash time for an awakening they stream from Ghana or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free radio app in that TuneIn search engine you can type in time for an awakening. There you'll see the icon and you can stream the program live even into your car if you had a Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, it's time for an Awakening Radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, you can type, for, type in time for an Awakening Radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening Radio program with the fan page on Facebook. And Time for an Awakening Media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of various programs on Time for an Awakening Media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends also, check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace in our partnership with the BB Toomey. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening media it's 708 in this uh sunday edition of time for an awakening this hot sunday evening august the 20th edition of time for an awakening 
And the special guest tonight is you, the listening, the listeners of Time for an Awakening. We're in open forum this evening. Anything that's on your mind, you can give us a call. We'll talk about it. And you can reach your program by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. <laughs> Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 215- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use 
find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening, uh, 7.13. On the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening, before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Arch Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. How are you, sir? I'm I'm in a semi-upbeat mood, Elliot. I'm, um, you know, looking forward for the discussion from, you know, the Time for Awakening audience and, and you know, to keep us going. Uh, you know, the, you know I'm having thoughts about, um, you know, we're in August, um, Black August, and, you know, the, the point of reemphasizing, you know, the liberation project that we're, um, some of us are engaged in. And, you know, so I'm, I'm, you know, hyped about that. We just passed um, Mr. Garvey's um, birthday in August and recognizing that as other things go on, you know, in the broader world, political, political world, um, as it relates to Africa, the Caribbean, you know, South America, Cuba, and here in Philadelphia. So I'm, I'm, I'm upbeat now. And, uh, and maybe I get a chance to, I wanted to share a thought out of the philosophy and opinions um, as we move forward. Well, listen, Richard, we can start off with some of the things that you were, uh, were kicking around. I got some things I want to throw in the mix. Uh, kind of current stuff that that been happening and just to enlighten the listening audience. But, uh, you know, the, the month recognizing, uh, struggle the freedom struggles of our people is always important uh to keep it in forefront of adults minds and especially for our children that's mainly who it's for or it should be for so you know if you want to kind of throw some things in the mix early on the floor is yours well i guess it's uh um you know like i said shared this particular thought for now and and you know earlier in the week you know i just threw out a question um as I'm exploring, you know, looking in, you know, looking in history and, and, and raising some questions with myself. But the um, thought that Mr. Garvey um, laid out, um, or at least projected, uh, it was under this, um, the passage in philosophy opinions about uh, super state for the Negroes. Um, and he said, quote, Negro men will never always feel satisfied with being ruled, governed, and dictated to by others, other races. As in my case, I would never feel absolutely satisfied with being tried and judged by a white judge, district attorney, and jury, for it is impossible for them to correctly interpret the real feelings of my race and appreciate my effort in their behalf. Hence, 
the prejudice from which I suffer, a white man before a black district attorney, a black district attorney, judge and jury will feel the same way. And thus we have the great problem that can only be solved by giving the Negro a government of his own. And, you know, the reason why I'm, I'm, you know, in here, you, you hear him saying the, the problem, even though he wouldn't feel comfortable being judged by a white jury or, or black men wouldn't be comfortable in front of a white judge, a white district attorney, a white um, jury. But in this case, also being in front of a black judge, a black district attorney and a black, um, you know, jury, if we're not under our own government. And, you know, Elliot, earlier, you know, as I said, the, the question, you know, I'm dealing with the history of black Philadelphia um, in Pennsylvania the, in the colonial period. And as I'm going through this, you know, a question came into my mind, and, and I, I really don't have no resolve for it. That's just a question to start off, not necessarily if we don't, you know, the discussion, because uh, I'm still puzzled as I'm listening to, you know, some of the things that we said. If, and it goes like this, if um, the quote-unquote white founding fathers of America who had an obvious abhorsion, they they hated, and they wrote about it as they were separating themselves, um, really building up their energy to go to war with the King George II of England, that they didn't want to be treated like slaves. If and they wanted to create a new government. And, and they kept saying that, you know, that George was treating them like slaves because he wanted to tax them or, or you know, um, in different ways to help to pay for the, you know, the war that they just had, um, what they call a seven-year war, the French and Indian War. If they would have those sons of liberty and those guys that sat in Philadelphia would have included black folks at that point in places like Pennsylvania, I mean, not Pennsylvania, uh, Massachusetts, if they would have included black folks, would we have been um, okay with expanding, you know, doing what white folks do, taking over the native population, land, exterminating them, would we have been okay in the name of being Americans? I don't. I mean, again, I don't know if that's something that should be um, brought up here. But as um, you know, we see what's going on in um, the francophone countries in in um, Africa as it relates to the France and France and, and their um, resistance, rebellion and taking over as he, Mr. Garvey said, to govern themselves, not to be a colony. We see what's going on in Cuba and soon there will be a, um, I think it's this week next. I mean, the 22nd starts the um, brick um, conference, um, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South America. And they're talking about delinking from, you know, the Western European um, economic system 
would we be at that period if they said yes, America was for all of us? It it it, it boggles my mind, Elliot, to think that we we who came here as enslaved people and got the opportunity to become a part of this white American project to make a distinction that we would be okay with that. I don't know if that's a legitimate question to ask Elliot, but it's something that's um, wrestling with as I um, think about the passage that, um, you know, doc, um, you know, Mr. Garvey was raising in relationship to having a governance of our own. That's just the thought I had. Well, Richard, um, you know, just to maybe add something to your thought, I think that personally that you might have to deal with different errors when you ask that question. That's just my personal opinion. Um, if you're dealing with that period that you're talking about, uh, when this this uh, so-called union was formed in 1776, if blacks were if black folks was included then, I think they would have had a serious problem with what Europeans were doing, mm. because number one, we were still close to our own culture. Uh, the, even though we were, had been ripped away from the motherland, the vestiges of things that we knew as a people were still in us. That was the whole delinking process that was going on at that time. Mm. But even some of the early writings of some of our people, they wasn't un- they were very uncomfortable what what Europeans were doing with Native Americans. I think Frederick Douglass even uh, made statements in reference to that. You would mm. you would know that better than me, Richard. Yeah, but uh, if you're looking at now, that's why I'm saying you you might have to look at certain errors. If you're looking at now, I I don't know whether you would be able to answer, give the same answer to, at least the leadership that has been formed. See, I I think that we dropped the ball and underestimated. And I'm just saying this as a collective. We just underestimated Europeans that we've been among. They've always had a thing where they were always trying to look for an avenue to take advantage of other people. That's not a racist statement. That's a historical fact. Mm -hmm. So in that case, when they were, uh, because at one time they really wouldn't, too interested in blacks developing leadership. And I'm talking about after the civil war during reconstruction, they weren't interested necessarily in controlling your leadership. They basically said, yeah, we'll have at it, do what you want to do. And the blacks was electing people in positions of power. And they went about trying to help their own people establish themselves. If you look back at history, you see the majority of the early officials were doing that. In fact, it, uh, I mean, we read it several times before the minutes of that meeting uh, mm-hmm. with the, uh, the general down there in uh, uh, Atlanta. Uh, no, Savannah, Richard. And the elder said, you know, we want to live and govern, our, live by ourselves and govern ourselves. 
when they were asked, what do you want as a people? You remember? Yes. So now, now you see, and I'm talking about now, I'm talking about 2023. You see blacks that, you know, that they, they have skin same as ours, but their mentality has really been poisoned. They have no cultural base. Uh, they're going about to establish values that are not their own. But they are in alliance and allegiance with a system that is that has been detrimental to peoples on this planet. That's a fact. And they find themselves in a, I don't think they, they, they look at themselves being in a quagmire that they're mm. trying to stand between two. They, they're comfortable standing just where they are and using black people as a means to an end. It's similar to um, that leaked conversation that they had with the mayor, and it's kind of ironic that the that incident a couple of weeks ago happened in Montgomery, Richard. Mm. That leaked conversation that happened between the mayor, Reed, and uh, the community that approached him about getting some things done now, being that he had became mayor. And he basically, you know, gave him his behind the kiss, saying, you know, I don't, I don't need you. If I can get 30% of white votes, I don't need you. You remember that conversation he had, Richard? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, and then, yeah. then he tries to clean it up later. But see, the, the, the masses of our people don't feel that way. They elect these people because they really believe that they want them to help them and they want them to fight. Richard, personally, that's why I believed it was, it was such a response nationally from black people that, that saw what happened to that brother on that dock. Yeah. And they seen people jumping down there, helping him and physically fighting. I mean, you had an overwhelming response from our people oh. on social media and other places because I don't care. They don't want, you know, that stuff that I remember Obama's used to say, oh, when they go high, we go, when they go low, we go high and all that type of stuff. They don't want, they want our people to get out there and fight for our people. And I'm not necessarily talking about physically, Mm -hmm. but verbally, you got to get out there and confront these people because these people like to use language. And the next thing you know, you behind the eight ball with the same language that they use. So I, I I don't know. That's a that's a question. Maybe this audience can weigh in on Richard. I I, I got my personal opinions, man. That uh, some of these people have lost their lessons and dropped their books. And I'm talking about black people. Some of them is walking around with uh, uh um. You say lost their le- lesson and dropped their books. Well, huh? I mean, come on, you know some of them is is basically black folks. A black skin with a white mind, and mm. that's that's dangerous. Mm. So I, you know, I, I, you know what, you know, to pick up on the point and and bring it to you know, and I'm kind of mentioning you mentioned it too, and given about the mayor, right now, you we we have um, been in conversation that what's going on in Nigeria. But really, those Francophone countries, those young people, right now, we know, we know, uh, sitting here, 
that what's going on in relationship to the Congo, um, those young people who are in those mines, who are digging those minerals that we hear, even, quote, unquote, supposedly the poorest of us black folks are, are using in the cell phones that we have. And that's what is, is puzzling because, you know, we're either saying, we know that white folks, white business companies and, you know, white military, you know, and, and white politicians. I mean, that's the, the, slogan, the slogan, right? That these whites, that, that we, we recognize in relationship to from the colonial period, that's what they do. But here we are now, and to your point, is it that, you know, our silence, while at the same time, and I'll start with this, what you, what you raised, because I felt it myself. I couldn't understand why did I feel such a joy when that brother threw his hat up in the air? And, and so, the and, message to and, me was, the shit is on. Yeah, let's get it on. <laughs> and uh, Richard, you, Richard you wasn't alone. Black people across this country felt joy when he did that. Because they want these damn people that they vote for to fight for them. They don't want them to get in there like that old bullshit saying that Obama was, him and his wife were saying, oh, because they was, they was using insulting language towards her, him, their kids, their children. I don't like to use that term, kids. Every, everything. I mean, when they had that State of the Union, white guy jumped up and said, oh, you're a liar. When he when he went to Arizona that time, that white woman I think was the governor met him with her put a finger all in his face. Yeah, you know, our, our people want these leaders that they vote for to fight for them. They don't want them to get up there with no mealy mouth and whatever votes go on, they just go along with it, like that crap. They gave all this money to the Ukraine. That five billion dollars that. Black that was promised to black farmers to redress that the land loss. Never Five received. Million dollars, never received it. But you gave the Ukraine initially, they gave them four. Wait, I got stuff here. Wait a minute, let me find some of this junk. That act that Congress passed uh, in April of 2022. To provide forty billion dollars uh, for Ukraine immigrants, and the act provides appropriation for several federal departments, including the Department of Justice, Department of State, Department of Agriculture, and the Agency of Eternal Development, and the Department of the Treasury, to provide uh, immigration and refugee assistance, to provide emergency food assistance to provide economic assistance and seizure of property related to the invasion. Now, I don't know what, you know, my tax dollars here got to do with something that they was taking over there in Ukraine. But your dollars went to that. Now, when they voted for it in Congress, Richard, uh, they voted, and I had the roll call here, well, every uh, Democratic congressman voted, or congressperson voted to give them this money, except one. They all voted to give them that money. You didn't say, you didn't play politics and say, well, listen, I'll vote to give the Ukraine this money. These white 
immigrants that's coming to this country. I'll vote to give them that money. But you give $10 billion, Don't give them five. Give $10 billion to black farmers to redress this land loss and discrimination. Don't give, don't give them five. Make it ten. Because all of a sudden you're coming up with billions of dollars for the Ukraine. That's politics, Richard. That's this form of Western politics. They didn't do that. They didn't do that. You're making me think. You're making me think about an incident not not too long ago, isn't it? With McCarthy, is that McCarthy? That's the speaker. A small group within the Republican Party. I think was it was only seven. They held that. They held the who were going to be the head for fourteen. Was it fourteen rounds? They weren't going to vote for it. What I'm to make the point that you you know you made that that small group held up all the rest of those because the rest of them voted for them, but that group had the balance of power that and they had to negotiate with them in order for that guy to become the the speaker. The speaker, yeah. They had to negotiate with them because they were not going to vote, and they had to give them concessions. I mean, is that what you're speaking about? That's what I'm talking about. That's this Western form of politics. Now, that Black Caucus, it, according to the last time I looked, they were the largest voting body in politics, period. They can hold up any legislation. Listen, that the money for black farmers that was put in that, uh, I forgot the name of that uh, initial act, um, the bill back, the bill back better was the second one. Uh, the, the initial act that Biden had signed, uh, that put uh, when he put that money out there, supposedly, and he knew it wasn't going to fly. Supposedly for black farmers to redress all that discrimination and uh, for land loss. Uh, the guy out of West Virginia and that other woman out of Georgia, they the ones that held it up. They held it up. Just two. They held it up till it was taken out. And you got 52 members of a body called the Black Caucus that don't hold up a goddamn thing. Excuse me. I mean, come on, man. What are they holding up, Richard, besides their pants? They rubber stamp anything this party tell them to do. That's why I'm telling you that these elected officials, listen, you being black, you're fifth on the totem pole. The party is usually first. Second is my social order. If I'm a, a Mason, if I'm a, a, a Greek letter, third is maybe my church or my religious affiliation. Fourth is probably something else. Then maybe fifth is being black. My obligation to you as a black person. It's too many things ahead of their obligation to you. Mm. Now, here's another thing, Richard. Now, when that initial money was passed the 40 billion dollars now you know that that's in 2022 when it was passed they have went back several times and got more money but right after that was done in april of 2022 they come back in june and they passed things that social security had to to to, to do now let me read some of this uh, President Biden signs the H.R. 7, 7691, the additional 
Ukraine Supplemental Appro- Appropriations Act of 2022. The additional, this is, is a, uh, a rider, so to speak, to that initial money. It says on May to 21st, 2022, Biden signed H.R. 7691. And then in June 8th, they added this other portion, this subsection. This section allows for citizens of Ukraine, nationals of the Ukraine, or individuals who last inhabited the Ukraine to receive supplemental security income, SSI. Uh, and here's the stipulations. A paro- uh, paroled in the United States between February 24th, 2022, and September 30th of 2023. Paroled in the United States after September 30th, 2023. And they are a spouse or child of a person from the Ukraine who was paroled in the United States between February 24th, 2022, and September 30th, 2023. Paroled in the United States if you're a parent, legal guardian, primary caregiver, or an unaccompanied minor from the Ukraine who was paroled in the United States. So they're giving supplemental or SSI money to these people if they didn't violate You're on parole if you didn't did, uh, committed some type of act. Mm-hmm. So they're giving these people all this money. You didn't, you didn't stand up for your farmers. You gave excuses. Cory Booker, them. I'd have been playing it on the program. Cory Booker, that Warnock down there in, in uh, uh, um, Georgia, the other dumbass in, in Clyburn, give excuses when it comes to black people. Excuses. Richard, let me play this clip here. You know, because you remember when uh, that thing that uh, Biden, when he scolded black people, he called them on the carpet. About right. about this police thing, right? And if you notice, because you've been mentioning it <clears throat> about how the narrative has been changed now, they're they're beating this drum about the public safety. You remember you mentioned been mentioning that, Richard? Yeah, it, 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 it ain't about getting tough with crime. It's about public safety. Now let me play. I would just want to play this for the listening audience. This was a. Uh, uh, One of the, uh, uh, if you remember when they met with the four mayors of uh, the different cities, the largest cities, and their comments, listen to some of their comments. Then I'm going to come back to uh, to something else I want to present. Let me, let me, if I can get this thing here. Here it is. Here it is. And now for the first time, America's four most populous cities are being led by black mayors. Chief Washington correspondent Jonathan Carl sat down with Mayor Bass, New York's Mayor Eric Adams, and Houston's Mayor Sylvester Turner to discuss the challenges their cities face. This is the first time in American history that we have the top four cities in America, the biggest four cities represented by black mayors. How significant is that? 
It's a moment for us. It's a moment that we are now really going after those tough challenges and historical problems uh, that we fought for many years to be in the driving seat. And, and I mean, you made history by getting elected mayor of Los Angeles. Right. First time there's a woman mayor. And uh, and I think, thank you. I think one issue is, is that all of our cities are extremely diverse. Yes. So it's not as though we are representing black cities. We are representing cities that reflect the population of America. Now, wait a minute, Richard. Let me stop it there. They're diverse, right? See, see, here's, 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 the, here's the excuses and the, and, the, and the bull crap. Now, he asked him, oh, how significant is that? He said, it's very significant for me. You heard him when he said that. Mm-hmm. For him. It might be significant for him. But how is that translating for black people in general? Let me read to you some stats. I couldn't find the ones from Houston readily. I, yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I can get it, but I found the ones from New York and L.A. right off the bat. And we talked about this on the program. Black joblessness in New York, unemployment, is at 12.2%, nine times higher than white unemployment. And this is according to the published report, a gap wider than nowhere else in the U.S. They got the largest gap between black and white unemployment in New York, where he is. Black businesses in New York is at 3%. That seemed to be the national average, Richard. It's at 3%. In L.A., where Bass was, this comes from a published report, California black workers in particular, the unemployment uh, rate is extremely high at 8% for the first 12 months from September 2022 until this year. The rate is almost twice California's 4.5 overall unemployment rate for the same period. Black people make up 8% of LA's population and 34% of his homeless. And 2% of LA's businesses are black. So you see what the problem is. They tell about public safety. Who gave them that narrative, Richard? Hey. You, you, you see what the problem is. And it's like that in all of these cities. But the first, she said, oh, oh, I'm the first woman, and these cities are so diverse, they're not just black. You heard her say that. To deflect what he said. Come on, why are you doing this? What are you doing? Who in the hell are you appeasing when you make statements like that? Mm. Let me finish it out, Bridget that have many problems, but uh, whose population had the confidence in us to elect us. And there was a time when, uh, let's say, the top 50 cities didn't have a single <laughs> mayor that looked like any one of us. And I think it does signal uh, that progress is being made um, and hopefully get to the point where it doesn't stand out. What is, the, in your view, the number one issue facing your city? Public safety. Public safety. <laughs> Prerequisite to prosperity, uh, the economy, inflation, all of that ties to people must be safe. Ah, right. Now, wait a minute, Richard. All of that ties into people must be safe. Joblessness, it ties into people must be safe. Mm. Mm. 
Uh, in Los Angeles, without a doubt, it's homelessness, but it's the intersection of income inequality and also public safety. And I would agree with that. I mean, public safety uh, is a top priority. Um, but at the same time, what impacts public safety? Yes. So you have to, uh, the economy, revitalizing our communities that have been underserved for a long, long time, dealing with the issues of homelessness, and those things that put people on the street right. or keep people at the margins. So important, so important. And, and, and that's what we are doing. When people hear public safety, they think police. Right. And we are saying public safety is intervention and prevention. Right. We must stop feeding criminal behavior and what we're doing uh, upstream. If you change upstream, we won't be pulling people out of crime downstream. I think you called defunding the police probably one of the worst slogans uh, ever, <laughs> Mayor Bass. Uh, why did you say that? What I believe is, is that over time, especially the federal government, state, and cities have divested, defunded social services. And so I think when a person goes into the academy, they don't go in to address homelessness, addiction, uh, mental illness. And so we need to refund our communities, build out the social safety net so that people don't fall into crime. Uh, you go into the average community of color or any community, they'll tell you, no, we want our police, but we want them to do fair policing. So it's not about defunding police. It's about investing in communities. In the Biden agenda. Now, Richard, um, you notice how the language, they never said the black community. Right. Uh, social services is lacking in communities. Yeah, social services is not lacking in white communities. Mm. It's not. It might be lacking in your communities. And they're taking away services in your communities and giving it to police and giving it to everybody but you. The the thing that gets me, Elliot, that when you read the stats, the stats said is joblessness is off the hook yeah. in the black community. But they're saying public safety to do what? So you, you, you're going to contain so that you can get jobs, but you're not going to speak about the, that the need for jobs? I don't see how that works. But Richard, because it goes to, see, see you can't avoid the so-called elephant in the room. It, you'll, you'll have to mention black people, and they don't want to do that, so they talk around it. Mm. They talk around it. You got four, you had three, well, I don't know where the fourth was. You had three black mayors that they was interviewing, and they were hard-pressed to, to hear the word black come out of their mouth. Yeah. I mean, what what is this? You talking about public safety is the biggest issue. Public safety been our people's issue since we've been here. Mm-hmm. Let, let me read some of this just in case. Here's a little history lesson, and it's not for our listening audience. Hopefully, maybe some other we might have a new listener. This shows the history of pu- public safety for black people in this country. Let me read this here. 1705, the Virginia General Assembly passed the Virginia Slave Codes. 
All servants imported and brought it and brought into this country who are not Christian and is not native to this country will be accounted as slaves. All Negroes and mulattoes within the dominion shall be held as real estate. If any slave resists his master, correcting such a slave uh, and shall happen to be killed in correction, the master shall be free of all punishment as if an incident never happened. The code, which will also serve as a model for other colonies, went even further. The law imposed harsh physical punishment since enslaved persons did not own property and could not pay fines. It states that slaves needed written permission to leave their plantations, that slaves found guilty of murder or rape would be hanged, that for robbing of any, uh, or any other major offense, the slave would receive 60 lashes on his back and be placed in stocks where his ears would be cut off even for minor offenses, mm. such as associating with whites, slaves would be whipped, branded, and or maimed. A slave owner who sought to break the most rebellious slaves could do so knowing uh, any punishment inflicted, including death, would not result in the slightest reprimand. Now, those codes, Richard, which was adopted by various states at that time, after that, stayed in effect until basically right after the Civil War. 1866, they initiated the Black Code, which mm-hmm. became Jim Crow laws. Now, but in the interim before that, look at the Fugitive Slave Law that was initiated in 1850 which was rougher than the other Fugitive Slave Act. And you're familiar with all this. Let me read this. In 18, September 18th, 1850, the Congress passed the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850, which was a part of the Compromise of 1850. The act required that slaves be returned to their, own, their owners, even if they ran to free states. The act also made the federal government responsible for finding, returning, and trying escape slaves. Now, this is all while the the uh, Virginia slave codes were all in effect. Mm-hmm. Now that didn't that didn't change necessarily until 1866, after the Civil War, during the Reconstruction, when they uh, enacted the Black Codes, which became Jim Crow laws. which you can read all those type of foolish stuff. If you walking down the street, you ain't got a job. You do, you know, you're going, you're going to be, you're going to be jailed and a lot of other crazy stuff. But those laws were in effect from 1866 all the way until 1964. That civil rights act was passed. And all during this period, Richard, all of those things were enforced by patty rollers, which develop into these police forces that you see. And then you see what has happened since the late 60s, early 70s to the present, where police is willy-nilly, wholesale, uh, murder of black people, abuse of blacks. So when have black people ever had any type of uh, public safety? History don't bear that out, that our people were ever safe in public. But it's an issue now with black elected officials. 
but they don't get no solutions. No money to develop businesses. No jobs in your community. Jobs for everybody. When you're the one that's suffering, and these people look like you. But they want you to wave pom-poms and holler and scream when they're the first to do this, the first to be in office, the first this. And you the last to get hired and the first to get fired. Hey, you know, Ellie, I don't know if I can make if I can make a connection to this of of how this works. Especially I'm focusing on um the job issue and the economy itself at being at you you know, you're recognizing the laws that are for the reason. Public safety, if we're there, if that's the new code word, that's for a reason. You know, in Philadelphia, they just, you know, they, um, the other day they, they mentioned this here report about the um, Philadelphia officials are trying to bar a Northeast paving company from doing any more business with the city after finding out it was, it used a shell company to get around city rules on sharing contracts with minority owned businesses. Another code word, right? Which is supposed to be black businesses, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> general, general asphalt and paving owned by the once politically powerful Meehan family have received a healthy share of city work. However, in 2021, the city controller office and inspector general investigated his mandate minority owned subcontract with Empire Services. They determined Empire was not legitimately an, a minority owned, but an extension of Meehan's business meant to circumvent city law. I'll stop there. So we see this because the point of Meehan, he's also was a part of the union which was supposed to have a program to train uh, the union was supposed to be bringing in black workers to get apprenticeship. So they, they'd be able to get these contracts, which they set the school up and never, never um, brought in any blacks in it. Right. <laughs> and then, and then um, Mayor, Mayor John Kennedy, Kenny says, well, Mayor John, Jim Kennedy says, he shares the controller's frustration, but he maintains lawyers for General Osfall and Empire repeatedly ask that the hearing on the matter be postponed. Quote, they're used, they've used the system to delay it. That's frustrating, said Kenny. Kenny. But in the end, I think the results will be fair. And I think that kind of behavior is a disgrace. Why is, why is this? If this has been going on, and you know they there was if it wasn't for the feds uh Meehan would still be operating and and I think we had we had um at some other point even showed where you know the black elected officials like the congressperson and others who who ran for different areas got some of that political finance out of this union representative Meehan yes, yes. right but you heard nothing. And this goes to just to your point of, of a situation where looking out for the interests of black folks so that they could be able to get the skill level jobs that would be able to provide the income so that they wouldn't have the social need to deal with the poverty 
or deal with other acts that they call crimes in our community that would create the culture to where they would have to say, which they can't say, we're going to, you know, he what, what, what I think that was um, Bass said, well, about <clears throat> the bad rap of, of saying about the police. Well, they ain't going to say about, um, you know, about the police no more, the need to police. They're going to say need public safety. I'm not saying we don't have an issue. But I'm saying, I think to align with what you're saying, is that if these guys were at least communicating that these other people were working against our interests, <laughs> we wouldn't have a public safety issue to the degree we have. I don't know if if that if that line of thinking lines up with the facts, but it, we keep we keep bringing up stuff, and that is no new thing. You went back to the 1700s. We could be able to track the same situation from generation to generation, generation. Exactly. up to now. Up to now. The Maybe. only difference, the only difference is the political representation. <laughs> yep, blacks in these offices now. That's the only difference. But the situation still remains the same. Little slight, little slight changes here and there, but the masses of our people still suffer. Now you know, here, Richard. Look, let, let me read this. Here's another problem. Now you heard Adams say everything but black people. Public safety is the biggest issue in his city. And, uh, you know, he, they, they're trying to look for solutions to public safety. Uh, I was watching the national news the other day and uh, on the news with uh, Lester Hope was interviewing him about the, um, the immigrant problem, the uh, all these immigrants that have been brought in and is in New York City and the, in the hotels and all in, ta- and center, in their, their center city area. Whites was complaining that people is on the street. Uh, they ain't got no jobs. And, you know, they, they had the TV cameras out there showing them cutting one another's hair out there on the street and just hanging around. And they interviewed a few of them that could speak English, and they were saying, well, we want jobs. But, you know, you see that these situations is being, as, being used as a political tool, and you're the one just standing in the lurch, so to speak. Black folks. Because eventually, these people are going to get help. And you'll be the one standing there with nothing. If you remember years ago, Richard, after that uh, Vietnam War was over, some of the same people that blacks had went over there and lost their lives fighting in Vietnam and Cambodia, Laos, Thailand, in the 70s, by the time the 80s rolled around, and especially in the 90s, I'm saying people was owning businesses in your community. How'd they get here? Who brought them here? Who set them up in business? Now, if you talk to the average black person that don't know, they figure the people came here with money. A lot of them people came here with the shirt on their back. But they were able to get money and start businesses in your community. 
And if it's not systematic, how is that? The, almost in every major city across this country, you see this happening in black communities. Let me throw this in here, Richard, and uh, we to take a little break here because I mentioned Adams for a reason. Now, he's mayor of New York. And you see that unemployment in New York, this is the average, and I'm not talking about dealing with specific black enclaves in New York. It's higher, just like in Philadelphia. The average unemployment rate, I think it's 28 or 24%, something like that, Rich. It's 20, I think it was 26% last I looked. But in certain neighborhoods, it's a lot higher. So the average in New York is 12.2% for blacks. I think it's 1.9 for whites. But let me share this article with you. This came from a published report on August 18th. The header says, New York Mayor Eric Adams set for three-day visit to Israel next week. Now, before I read some of this, if we remember in March or something, Hakeem Jeffries went to Israel. And I played the clip where the people were saying, oh, my goodness, you've been there six or seven times. And he was so happy about it. And they were happy with him. Even the quote-unquote government that's in Israel at this time, Netanyahu and others, they were very happy with Hakeem Jeffries. So happy that he just went back, when I read it to the listening audience, he just went back about two weeks ago and took 24 other Congress people. Now, I was trying to find out who was some of those 24 others to see how many other members of the Black Caucus went with him. I was unable to find that information. But I know it can be got. But he took 24 members of Congress with him when he went two weeks ago. Now, here we go with Adams going to Israel. A three-day trip, this header says, a three-day visit to Israel next week. Adams, who has strong ties with New York Jewish community, will meet with politicians and business leaders to discuss efforts to tackle anti-Semitism and learn about Israeli tech. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I think that initial thing is what they really want to bring him there for. Let me read a little bit more. New York New York City Mayor, Mayor Eric Adams is slated to visit Israel next week, his office said on Thursday. Adams, a Democrat, is slated to arrive in Israel on Monday and return to New York on Thursday. His office said the mayor will meet with politicians and business leaders to discuss efforts to combat anti-Semitism and learn about Israeli technology advancements during the three-day visit. The office did not release detailed itinerary, but it is unclear if he will meet with uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. The Prime Minister, uh, the Prime Minister met with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in April. Adams and the New York Democratic leadership remain strongly supportive of Israel in uh, the region's Jewish community 
a solidarity that was on display during June's Celebrate Israel Parade, an annual event in Manhattan. The parade was attended by Adams and other state and city leaders and members of Netanyahu's coalition. Adams' office said that the trip is being sponsored by the uh, United Jewish Federation of New York, together with the Jewish Community Relations Council of New York. With over one million Jews in New York City, it's the home of the largest Jewish community outside Israel. Adams called the city the Tel Aviv of America and expressed pride in representing the city's Jews. The mayor has strong ties with New York's Jewish community. Some of his top top staffers are Jewish. Okay. Uh, let's see if somebody listening on has got a little problem with that. I got a little problem with that. When your city is off the hook with black unemployment, According to their own statistics, nine times higher than it is of whites. Homelessness and poverty rate off the hook. And you're going to Israel to discuss ways to battle anti-Semitism. Are you kidding me? And plus, according to the statistics I read on this program two weeks ago, see, if you have to ask the average black person about anti-Semitic, their mind goes towards or Aryan these Aryan groups, Germany, and other stuff like that. But according to the stats, they said the most anti-Semitic group in this country is you, black people. You're the most anti-Semitic group in this country. According to what they've been saying, read the statistic, read it for yourself. Don't believe what I'm saying. So he's going over there to discuss ways to battle anti-Semitism. He's the mayor of New York. You already heard Meek Mills with Robert Kraft. Kraft got him out there talking about anti-Semitism is the biggest problem. So he's supposed to spread this message among his ilk, which is some of those other hip-hop rappers and artists. You heard him say out of his mouth that they get paid more for talking stupid and crazy in some of these records. Mm -hmm. He said that. So this will be a way where they can get paid more. If you play along with these folks, you can get some more money. See, that's why I said, Richard, I don't know. The answer to your question, I don't know how some of these people would fare now. I know how some of my ancestors dealt with it then. They wouldn't have been on board with what these Europeans wanted to do with native population, exterminate people, just take their land. That was, that was against our, our morals, our culture. We didn't do stuff like that. Just abuse people, wipe them out. They wanted to wipe those people out from the face of the earth, and they mm-hmm. did with several of the tribes. <clears throat> A lot of those tribes don't even exist anymore. That stuff they did, and you know the fires. We just seen them fires over in Hawaii. If anybody gets an opportunity, read the stuff that they did to Native Hawaiians when they went over there and dis- when they discovered people living on that island and what they did. It's a crime against humanity. If anybody haven't read it, read what they did to the people. Sure, you did see some native Hawaiians that still exist on that island. But read what they did to the massive of native Hawaiians that lived on that island. 
so they can go over there and kick their feet up and enjoy paradise as they see it. When we come back from break, I want to read to you, <laughs> share to you uh, a couple of these published reports here. It's kind of interesting. It kind of uh, uh, rides on the back of what we just seen Adams getting ready to do next week. I think he's there now, and he'll be there till Thursday, according to this published report, uh, finding out ways to battle anti-Semitism. Meanwhile, his brothers that look like him in New York ain't got no job. Can't help their families. These women with children screaming at these men because they ain't got no work and can't be men in their household. So some of these men end up leaving. This is a vicious cycle this country didn't put black people in. But they got one and they got black people that each other's throats. The black women jumping on these black men, black men jumping on black women. When they should be jumping on this system, they done put black families into this situation. Black families as a whole been put in this situation. And you let these people start some narrative and squabbles between black men and black women. I was talking to, we go to a break, Richard, but I was talking to Brother uh, Patrick the other day down in Mississippi. I don't know whether you saw it, Richard. I, I saw it the other day, but I didn't focus in on where it was until he mentioned it. Because he said that he was involved yesterday going in there to, to, to aid the family. They had a young boy in Mississippi. According to published report, his mother had to stop at a legal office to take care of business. Now, he's 10 years old. It wasn't like he was a little kid. He wanted to stay in the car. He's 10 years old. Mm-hmm. So she left him out there so she could take care of business. In fact, uh, uh, Brother Patrick might be on there. I'll see if he can uh, want to come on and kind of clarify it himself. And I guess the boy had to go to the bathroom, so he didn't. He went out there and kind of urinated behind the car. He didn't do it in the open. The police seen him and arrested him, Richard. Put cuffs on him and arrested him. Ten years old. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation. You can get involved, too, by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Uh, 32, I'm sorry. Time for an awakening. We'll be right back. to Time for an Awakening, Time for an Awakening, with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. It's coming. 
Mississippi Black Liberation Movement, Elmer Geronimo Pratt Gun Club, presents the 7th Annual Black Liberation Movement Building Power Summit 2023. Building Power Summit, Free the Land, Undivide, and Reclaim, September 15th to the 17th. Jackson, Mississippi at the historic Black Tougaloo College. Portions of the conference to be aired on Time for an Awakening Media, Black Talk Radio Network. Calling all serious black power organizations, revolutionaries, organizers to attend this divine experience. For more information, contact Brother Patrick Lumumba, 662-560-5434. Sister Crystal Denise, 405-361-4751. And Brother Nick Bezel, 512-364-0050. That's the 7th Annual Black Liberation Movement Building Power Summit 2023. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global you black family, to join your interconnected you black communities, escape the digital plantation now, abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. The brother said responsibility. Is it, is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us? Or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America? We have to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Thank you.
We have a message to the black man. Because the black man today is a man who has been made now almost into a laughing stock. Nobody takes the black man serious. We're just used to be somebody's tool. We are the sportsmen. We're the singers and the dancers. And we're also labeled as the pimps and the criminals and the drug dealers and the killers and the vagabonds of society. We're the bogeymen of British society and other Western systems. And we want to dispel that lie and destroy those myths and put the black man back on the map where we belong. Who is the black man? The black man is the original man. If it wasn't for the black man, no other men could be on this planet. We are the fathers of humanity. We gave birth to all of you. Judge, how are you, Alderman? <laughs> how are you, Congressman? How are you? How are you, Reverend? <laughs> well, what can I do for you today, Reverend? You can't do nothing for me. See, that's what we got to be careful of. We got to be careful of who we bow down to. But see, when you get in your congregation and you talk this Jesus, this powerful Jesus that's sitting at the right hand of the Father with all power in his hand, then you go with your hat in your hand to the governor, to the mayor, to the president, begging for some crumbs. You have sold your God cheap. And you make the white man downtown disrespect all of us. Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 819 on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. We're in open form this evening. <clears throat> Anything that's on your mind, you can give us a call. We'll talk about it. You can do that by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Uh, Richard, yes, yes. Let me read this other article that kind of follows up with uh, with what um, Adams did because Adams is not alone. You got people all over, and I'm quite sure listeners and uh, 
whoever they are that listen to Time for an Awakening, if you research some of your city leaders that are black, they've done the same thing. Let me read this here. Done the same thing that Adams is doing. Let me read this. And this is from April, a published report. It says, Richmond's LeVar Stoney recently returned from Israel, eyes governor's mansion. Now, LeVar Stoney is a young black guy that is mayor of Richmond, Virginia. Richmond Mayor LeVar Stoney leads a very democratic city in the state that is currently home to Virginia's popular Republican governor. The 42-year-old mayor is quick to admit he got his eye on the governor's mansion just a few miles from his home in the Old Dominion's uh, capital city. I'm going to seriously consider running for governor in 2025, Stoney, a Democrat, confirmed in an interview last week. But Stoney's driving belief that Democrats should take control of the state government doesn't mean he disagrees with everything Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin has done. Stoney uh, commended Youngkin for his work fighting anti-Semitism, including his creation of the of the uh, commission to address anti-Semitism. When I had my first conversation with Governor Youngkin, I told him that he was doing great things for the Commonwealth of Virginia. I want him, I want to recognize him for that, says Stoney. When it comes to the commission to combat anti-Semitism, I think Governor Youngkin has, is doing the right thing. And I think uh, the recommendations that follow through, I applaud that. Stoney, who leads a city of 226,000, has become a vocal advocate for the city's 10,000 Jews. As the president of the Democratic Mayor's Association and an associate surrogate for Joe Biden's administration, the second-term mayor has carved out quite a niche for himself on the national stage. He's also taken an active role internationally. Stoney delivered an address at the December conference in Greece dedicated to anti-Semitism. He recently participated in a delegation to Israel for America's mayors. The trip was Stoney's first to the Jewish state. I think it's very, very important that mayors lay out very clearly that anti-Semitism is no room in their cities. I think that probably one of the reasons why I asked to go on this trip to Athens. In his speech at Athens, Mayor's Summit Against Anti-Semitism, Stoney highlighted the historic relationship between blacks and Jews in the United States, particularly during the Civil Rights Movement. Now, he argues, black Jewish communities stand on the same side of of Republicans' efforts to revise the state history curricula. That's a problem for me. He leaked, Stoney said, uh, he likened the teaching of historical injustices like the Holocaust and slavery, suggesting that teaching both will help better combat hate. I believe the reason that we have some of these instances of anti-Semitism is because we're not teaching our 
it in our schools, Tony says. We need to teach our children about the Holocaust. We need to teach our children about the heroes of the Jewish American community and the black community as well. Hmm. So here we here we go again, Richard. This man is flying Dang all it. over. He he's a young black man representing Richmond. He's flying all over representing the Biden administration to stamp out anti-Semitism. He's on mm-hmm. board with the Republican governor uh, on his efforts for anti-Semitism. Now, I don't listen. I don't care what they do. You know, it's white folks helping white folks. I'm not even dealing with somebody's religious persuasion. But, I mean, what is he doing? What are you doing, uh, uh, Stoney, Mayor Stoney? You got a city that's, according to statistics, 45% black. And if you remember that, that Civil War, Richard, you know better than me. That city had a rich history of black folks kind of taking control of things. Right. But right now, it's 45% black, the city of Richmond. With a 19% unemployment rate and poverty a rate of 31.6%. And white poverty rate is 13%. But black poverty rate is 31.6%. That's overall. I'm not talking about in particular communities in Richmond. So again, you see the obvious problem. But you find that your need, and plus it says he's, he's, uh, has become a vocal advocate for the 10,000 Jews that live in Richmond. Are you kidding me? I they mean, all want to become advocates now. Huh? I'm sorry. They all become advocates. Why don't, you be, advocates. why don't you be advocates for your own? And I'm talking about vocal advocates. You are a vocal advocate for somebody else. Black folks don't see a problem with this. Black media don't. You don't hear it talked about on Shopton. You don't hear it talked about on the Golden or the, or the Black Eagle. You don't hear it talked about on a lot of popular stations. I don't hear it talked about on the Black Station here in Philadelphia. They avoid talking about these subjects almost like the plague. There's something wrong with this picture, Richard. Hey. And it goes to what you addressed early about some of our people. Uh, would they buy into this? That's why I said you might have to deal with certain errors when you raise that subject. Because some of these people now, I don't know. I don't, it's clear that they have a different agenda from the masses of black people. It's clear. And if it ain't clear to some of our people that these elected officials don't have a different agenda from the masses of their, of their own, then they need to educate themselves on what these people are doing. Then they'd come up with the with because I'm I our people got critical thinking abilities, they can mm-hmm. read, and they can see what's going on in their communities. I don't care whether these politicians are your friends, your relatives, you went to school with them, whatever. If they're not doing what's in the, in in the best interest of their own people, that's the facts. Let me makes, you, makes you wonder. Oh, it makes you wonder. Let me go to uh, let me go down to uh, Mississippi and see if we get Doug. Six six two. Are you there? Let's put him on hold. 
Let's go to 267. 267. I don't know what's going on here with some of these people. What's going on? Um, Richard, um, you know, something you said, Elliot, that um, struck me, um, and, and I and I just um, um, missed the article that you, um, when you mentioned about, you know, the Cambodians coming into Philadelphia, um, you know, and you know, I was, I was, and 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 how. A, a people in a period can develop, right? Um, well, you didn't mention Philadelphia, but just, just coming into the country, I was looking at this article which came out in July about the secret is out. The Southeast Asian market and South Philly is one of the best in America. And it's the history that, that, that gets, when we're talking about creating an economic base, Philadelphia Southeast Asian market has a remarkable history and perhaps the best mango spicy rice in the nation. Franklin, Delaware, Roosevelt Park. We, we called it Coney Island. I, I don't know you. I, I know you went there, um, you know, over and down in South Philly. Well, the lakes, they call it League Island. Yeah, yeah League Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Franklin Delaware Roosevelt Park has stood as a public institution for over a hundred years. And while the green space in Philadelphia thrived over the last century with lush plants and life blooming in every corner in the spring, something else grew alongside it. The Southeast Asian market, which has greatly become one of the best food markets in the nation. Some 40 decades ago, Leo, Leo and Cambodian refugees fleeing war in their homelands, made their way to the city of brotherly love to start anew. What they found was a strong and supportive diaspora alongside a larger Southeast Asian community looking to share bites and bits of their home with one another. It all began with a Laotian couple selling their papaya salad out of their van. It gradually grew into a family vendor selling their culture cuisine through the city, including the alleyways on street corners and throughout the park. Over the years and between intermittent intermittent police bus, more Southeast Asian families joined in, selling their food whenever and wherever possible. The collection of families grew to a dozen and then a few dozen more. But rather than remain a secret, three entities, the Cambodian Association of Philly, the Vending Association of uh, FDR Park and the FDR Park leadership came together to help legitimize their operation so vendors no longer had to have to fear having their belongings confiscated by the police. Prior to 2020, the market was a target by the police in the city. Uh, Saran Chan, the executive director of FDR, Southeast Asian market, shared with food and wine. As Chan explained, the organization stepped in to connect with the local police, showing them that the market had a solid connection to the park and an official point of contact. We really want to make sure that this space is no longer targeted and can be used as just an important space for healing and sharing the flavors of of their community. In this article, I would take it, I don't know if people picked it up, You've seen 
the evolution of not just a an employment, but a business district in public space. And I haven't seen I haven't seen one a black one develop yet. Well, if you remember, um, I think when Street, um, yes, ran for mayor because Street, the Street brothers were street vendors. Yes, and they were trying to do some things initially to do just what you see them d- doing for uh, the, the, that Asian community. Mm-hmm. But you had blacks being run off corners. Uh, goods confiscated. The same thing that you they claimed that they was doing. Now, although I didn't see that wholesale being done to know, I don't know, maybe that's just stuff that they put in that article. I didn't see that wholesale being done to no Asians. No, I... And in fact, that's the... Uh, them being down at that park, I mean, that's, that's new information to me. They didn't ever have no street vendors down at that park. Yeah. I mean, I mean that was the park where every, I mean, all the holidays, everybody went. To the and it was black. So if anybody yeah. should be down there, if anybody should be down there with a vendor's park, basically, it should be black people. But again, Richard, you got black leadership here. The black city council is overwhelmingly black and been black for a number of decades, not years, decades. And you've had black mayors for a number of decades. Mm. And still, blacks is it ain't even three percent black, but it, I think it's two point nine. It's it's less than three percent. Mm. Now you mm-hmm. just read, although I already know that you just read in that article that they came here with the shirt on their back. There you go. But they was able to get money to start businesses. You need money to start a business, Richard. They was able to get funds and money to start businesses. To have a location, even if it's a cart, to buy the, uh, uh, you know, your 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 produce or, or food or whatever you're providing, all that's money, and to cover your losses, just in case. Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't start making money right off the bat. Might take a little while. Advertisements, all that stuff, that's money. They can seem to get their hands on that money. And I'm not just talking about Asians, any of these nationalities. And if you got enough money, you can get, you can pay the, uh, some some other people to be going running around to Greece and Israel, talking about they advocates for you. Oh, wow, got to be kidding me. Here's but that's, that's the that's the state. I mean, you know, I, I have to add, uh, Elliot, it's, it's money, but also it's the relationship to each other. You see how they said first it started with a couple of families, then it started with a couple of more families. They had relationship with each other. And we have a political machinery, and we're talking about that the best relationship that we can be able to have with the political machinery is that they're going to look at the larger population, youthful population as a public nuisance, which is the reason why they need, we they, we need public safety because you can't grow. This is what they are telling us. You can't grow 
a city business because the and most of the business ain't even in the communities that these black folks are in. I know it. None of the, I would say, in all those mayors, none of the community, none of the areas that they are, there is no development going on in their area. I would, I would, in those cities, I would, I would bet, speaking out of ignorance, that most of the development is in the center of the city. But it's definitely in the center of the city in Philadelphia. I don't know if you would agree with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And any of those other areas where it's it's a quote-unquote business development, you don't run the businesses. 52nd Street is a perfect example. There you go. You go up there, the blacks ain't running the businesses up there. It's other people. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. That that George's restaurant. Mm Mm-hmm. It's been it's been empty. It's been empty for at least fifteen to almost twenty years, Richard. <laughs> a popular black eatery. Right. I mean, when the, the, when Clinton and his wife was president, Clinton was president. When they came here, they went to Georgia's to eat. You remember? Yeah. Everybody used to go. You couldn't even get in Georgia. I, I was in Georgia's one time and eat. You couldn't get in there. It, 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 it was so loaded you couldn't get in there, Richard. That place has been vacant and empty for almost 15 years. Mm -hmm. And I know it's black people that would love to open that restaurant or open something there. That's a moneymaker. That corner is a moneymaker. It's in transition, too. Oh, I know. That community is. That corridor is in transition. Yes. But the thing is, Elliot, I mean, and it goes to this thing where you read about the, the employment. See, in order to be able to support the businesses, you have to have the income. And you can't have the income if you don't have the jobs. And you can't have the jobs if the schools, I mean, we we just, the, the piece about Meehan, I mean, he was supposed to be supporting a, school, a, a business. Not only supporting a business, but supporting a, this, you know, for um apprenticeships in these skilled jobs where that now it's, I mean, there, there's now a move for black union leaders to bring their unions back into the city to prepare them for Biden, what Bidenomics. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, that's the thing or, or now, you know, and, and, and for the time for awakening audience, I, I, I apologize. I'm, I'm, I'm Philadelphia central. So, the examples, but as Elliot said, I think all of us can give examples of how the same scenario is playing out. We're about to get, you have mentioned three mayors. Um, Otis put in uh, another mayor. You mentioned it was four, but we've only seen three. Otis put in another one with, um, um, what's her name from, in Texas, um, that, that, that school, you know, which is, was a congressperson. Bass was a congressperson. Shirley Jackson Lee. Mm-hmm. These were Congress people who running for Texas. I mean, mayors. But what? I mean, do they know something? 
Let's go. Let's go to. Let's go to. Two one five. Two one five. Good evening, brother Elliot. Good evening, brother Richard. How y'all brothers doing tonight? How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Our praise be to Allah. You know, brother Elliot Richard, making about these people. Y'all make these people running for um for mayor. You know, the amazement. Like you look at the sister out there in L.A., uh, Karen Bass. The uh, Richard just mixed Shirley Jackson Lee from, Lee from Texas, and here in Philadelphia, he had uh, both Shaka Fatai and Dwight Evans, who who both been congressmen. You know, running for me, I, was, I thought that was a step back. You know, same with, with the one the, the one that they may be made here in Philadelphia, uh, uh, a loud mouth. Same thing. She she go from being a state rep to a mayor. I don't you know I, I don't understand it. Like I said, maybe they know something we don't know. I mean, why would you go from being a state rep? Or a congressperson to a mayor, you know, when a mayor, when the state is more powerful than the city, and and then on a, on a, it's a congressman, you got more power than the city and the state because you federal, you know what I mean? You think you can get more things things done for your constituents? You understand what I'm saying, Elaine Richard? What? Well, I mean, that, that's supposed to be the objective when you get these offices to get more yeah. things to, to deliver more for your people, the people exactly. that vote for you, the people that vote for you. Exactly. I mean, it, it, to me, it's a step back. But I mean, look, look at Giuliani. You know, he's a devil up in New York. I mean, look what he was trying to do. He went from being a man. He 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 kind of like teased with being governor, but he ran for president back in 08 when Obama, you know, because he was at the time was America's so-called favorite mayor. You know, what I mean, after the 9/11 thing. But 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 he was going up. He wasn't trying to go back. But they say how black politicians they do just the opposite. You know, he got he got he got, he got a bigger like Giuliani trying to go up up, and yet these Negroes going backwards. I, I don't mean maybe it's something it's something in the water, man. I don't know. But you know, Elliot, as you and Brother Richard was talking earlier when the, when y'all first came on, you know, as you know, Elliot, my blood was boiling. I, I just try to keep it under control. You know, by the grace of Allah, I keep it under control. I mean, you know, like you said, the time. I mean, and, and, and I want the time for looking listen, to understand where, where I'm coming from. I mean, I mean, how 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 like you said, where's your black media at a time in New York? Like any other major city, where our people catching hell or, or living in in despair, food desert, at a time when black unemployment is at an all-time high in cities like New York, of course, the Adams' own administration, crime, you know, like the to the public safety, you know, you got brothers in New York all uh, messed up on that stuff, you know, going off on trains, defecating, attacking people, getting attacked with, with, with knives, killing other people, getting killed by, by, by people, frightened passengers. I mean, it's all, I read the New York papers almost at my buddy's newsstand. All this is going on as a backdrop. And you and, and this Negro can run over to Israel with some pretext about some Israeli tech, like that's going to benefit black people. But when, you, when we all know the whole thing is about this so-called anti-Semitism thing. I'm saying myself, Where's your black media to point these things out and, and, and hold these niggas accountable? Why the hell do you keep running the air for? What, what's the end game? It, it's not, it's not going to benefit. It's obviously going to benefit them niggas, whether it be Eric Adams, Gregory Meeks, uh, Hakeem Jeffries, whomever. It's going to It's not going to benefit black people for whatever way. Whether they meet with Netanyahu, who's a war criminal and a thug, whether they meet with that bum, or whether they meet with the Israeli president or that racist Jewish rabbi that referred to black people as monkeys and doubled down on it when he was asked to apologize by the Israeli press. He doubled down on it. And by the way, where are these Negroes like Jeffries and Adams and? 
And Meeks demanded that that bigot apologize for calling out people subhuman and stuff, you know. So, so they meet with that devil. I mean, what, what, again, what, what, what's the end game for black people? I mean, you know, I mean, you know, it's just, I mean, you just get tired of the shenanigans, man, the games that these Negroes do. Because all these, and like you said, I would love to know, and I mean this sincerely, I would love to know who was the mother black elected fish that went with uh, Jeffries. And I, and I would dare say it might have been the one from Philadelphia, that clown from Philadelphia. You know, may he been he may have been one of them. You know, who knows what the other twenty something was? You he'll, know, he'll never say. No, they won't. You know, we we may never know. I mean, we may know. I hope we I hope the people do deserve to know. You know, but when whether we will ever know, who knows? But we should know the the, the black community deserves to know who these people are. And again, why is not the black press? See, that's why I said, brother, thank God for, for time for awakening with you and Brother Richard, you know, especially in light of the, the recent transitions of our two brothers, Bruce, Dick, Bruce Dixon and Glenn Ford. So b- between you and Richard and, and Brother Maurice show up in New York and, and Brother Carl up in D.C. in a final call newspaper, which is a formative paper that, that, that highlights our people, whether they, it's not about being a member of the Nation of Islam, it highlights black people, period, because the paper's about supporting black people, and about whether you're a member of the Nation of Islam or not. It's an informative paper. So between you and Brother Maurice and Brother Carl and, and the final call, I mean, thank God, because, man, when you got to deal with people like the Golden Eagle and Sharpton, they're not going to raise these questions about, about, about why these Negroes keep running Back and forth to Israel, and that, and that should be that should be you shouldn't be be afraid to, to point that out without fear of being called an anti-Semitic. Because first of all, you can't be anti yourself anyway. Because no white Jews ain't no damn Semitics anyway. But you know, so my point is, so you shouldn't be afraid of being called anti-Semitic. But that's when niggas so scared they see the same thing that we see, but don't none of them have the guts to point out and ask critical question. Why is y'all keep running back and forth to Israel? What, what's the end game here? They don't say nothing. Are they so busy pom pom raising and waving pom? Sometimes can and all that stuff while people catching hell, like you said. And, and, and the thing that gets me out of it, now here you got this this joke up in New York, and I, and I ain't going to take up too much of your time. I know y'all coming down the end. I'm going to you know, try to wind it up so you, so another caller or two could get on. But here's the deal. This clown up in New, up in New England, Kraft, the pictures on her. Now, he's supposed to be a friend of Meek Mills, right? He's, a, he's, a, he's against the... Uh, uh, he's, he's supposed to be against black men being unjustly incarcerated. And I always say if he was so concerned, he could have started up there in Boston because I'm sure there's a whole lot of uh, black men up there that's been unjustly incarcerated because of his, his white George brother and racist judges that put brothers away. So he, he can start up there. But number two, he claims he's down, he, he against these kind of things, but he support a guy like Donald Trump and his ilk who don't have no problem throwing black men in jail and throwing away the key. You know what I mean? But yet, yet he's a friend of, of, of Meek Mills, and you got people that are so naive they will believe that this rich white Jewish man is friends with this brother out of Philly who, 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 who spewed filth out of his mouth, degrading black men and women, the gangsterism, the, the, the N's, the H's, the B's, advocating violence and all that. But he ain't going to say that about white Jewish women, of course, because he's not that crazy. But he, can, but he even said out of his own mouth on the clip you played that we get paid more money to, to, to talk crazy. So, I mean, we see all that as a backdrop. You know what I mean? So the whole thing, to cut through the chase, Elliot, again, this whole thing, like you said, this anti-Semitism thing is not directed at white racists who are, who are the so-called true anti 
their own anti-Jewish brethren, their own white fellow white anti-Jewish brethren. It's not the Aaron Nations. It's not the Proud Boys. It's not all these white hate groups who historically, like they got, they just got sent to death for shooting up the synagogue in Pittsburgh a few weeks ago. It's not people like that who are clearly the ones, but it's the average black man or woman. They don't refer, they are the ones that are being called the anti-Semite. But yet we don't have no history of attacking, no Jewish synagogues, advocate no violence against these white Jews, none of that. But yet we are the face of anti-Semitism. And these black handkerchief-haired black leaders don't say a damn thing. It's, it's, a, it's a sin and a shame. And I close with this, Elliot. Make them a tape of simple and sweet. It's a sin and a shame unto the creator. That's all I'm going to say, and I'm out. Thanks, Elliot. I, I put me on mute, and I listen to the rest of the show. Thanks for your contribution. You're welcome. Let's go do six four six four six six four six. Hey, Elliot and Richard, what's going on, man? You're not doing the Friday show no more. Well, uh, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it. Okay, cause cause I know a couple of times I done tried to hear it on Friday and y'all wasn't on. But listen, man, I got a I got a quick question for you, right now. You know, the Democratic um, shenanigans and the shields and those who love the Democratic Party and all of that, you know, is really pushing this infrastructure bill, right? Okay. Do you know, do you know how they paying for that bill? The infra- do anybody know how they paying for that bill? The infrastructure bill? No, I, no. Yeah. Now, I mean, I guess I assume it's with tax money. Yeah, but think think about that. He's pushing forward this whole infrastructure bill. He's moving it forward, and all of that. But nobody never says how are they paying for this. So if they're paying for it with the American taxpayers' money, and blacks ain't really getting that much out of the infrastructure bill. I think other ethnic groups are benefiting more than we are. I could be wrong, just like you were speaking earlier about how people come to this country and are able to start businesses and do all of that. Um, through the assistance, I would say, of their community and also the government. Then nobody's really talking about this talk that he's going to give another $20 billion to Ukraine. Isn't that taxpayers' money? Yeah. So with all of this spending that's going on, How are we paying for this? That that that's what I'm I'm trying to understand. Because see, the reality is this, and I'm just gonna be real with it. I know I ain't got nothing but maybe another ten, fifteen years lucky. My family is straight. I took care of them. You know what I mean? I'm right now in one we call retirement mode. You know what I'm saying? I'm fortunate. Thank God. But in all honesty, where are black people at in this country, really, honestly? Where are we going to be 
in all sincerity, 10, 15 years from now. Do we as a community and as a people ever really think about that or have any sort of analytical understanding of where we're going to be? There's going to be a great portion of our people, I'm sorry to say this, that are going to be more worse off than when they were slaves. And we don't we don't even think about that. Just like you talk about other ethnic groups coming here, starting businesses and doing all that. What are we as a people honestly doing? It seems and, and, and I could be wrong and correct me if I am, it seems that a lot of our sole purpose is two things to be loved by white people and to serve white people. We're not building institutions. We're not building businesses. We're not collectively taking care of one another and, and, and coming together so that we could survive as a people when this sugar honey iced tea hit the fan. Let me tell you something. In five years, this country is going to be totally different. Now, everybody will say that it'll be worse if Trump get back in office. Hey, man, the more you sit back and the more you realize what Trump did for the country and what Biden's doing for the country, and you really study it from an analytical perspective, Trump ain't do nothing but disrespect and tell niggas they niggas. That's all he did. He didn't he didn't destroy the economy. He didn't do anything for nobody other than the rich. In all actuality, if you really studied them, he probably hurt more white people than he did black people. Just let's talk about what he did to industry in regards to the farmers that were in soybean when he did his thing with China. You know what I mean? Um, if you think about us as a people, as someone that you bring on all the time, Mr. Boyd, did he exacerbate the problem with the black farmers? Has Biden helped the black farmers? Didn't you, a couple of weeks ago, when Boyd's wife was on, play a clip about how, I think it was Warnock, and um, what's this character um, from New Jersey? Booker. Um, the sick Cory Booker. Didn't they say that they was going to do certain things for the black farmers and haven't done anything? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to really be honest about the black farmer situation, it wasn't Trump who did it. It wasn't Biden who did it. He did for him. it was white people. That hurt them. That went after them when they were going to get some sort of retribution in regards to how they be treated. Now, am I off base? Yes or no? Wait a minute. Say that last part you just said again. It was white people, white farmers who filed the lawsuit to make it so that the black farmers couldn't get the little bit of money that they were said to be 
get it. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, it was white farmers, but don't take the onus off of um, the the people in power because they knew that that. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not at all. But I'm saying, I'm saying, has Biden come to their rescue? No. Did 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 Trump deliberately try to take it away from him? Well, he didn't provide it. He just did what the, the United States government has been doing. He didn't provide them any aid. And, 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 and you, you know, even when even when, even when he pulled a rug out from under white farmers with that soybean thing, he did give them money to kind of right, buttress, right. But what I'm saying loss. is, if he could do if he could do that, don't you think Biden could do something also? Oh, certainly. If he really, if he wanted to, okay. So yeah. So the reality is, and wait a minute. More oh. more importantly, black elected officials could do something. Because they can oh, hold, they can hold up legislation, just like some of these whites do, until their demand is met. But yes. they don't do that. They yes. do what the party but tells you, them to do. But, but isn't this piece of trash, Jeffries, always jumping to the fence of the filthy Jew? Ain't he always saying about how he's in allegiance with the Jew, and it's. He's always, it seems to me, attacking African nations when they don't go along with the U.S. bullshit. I mean, I'm just observing it from the perspective that sometimes we think someone is better for us than someone else is, but the reality is neither one of them are good for us. But what are we doing as a collective, as a people, to protect ourselves. I think that's where we're making our biggest mistake. We're not trying to figure out how to take care of one another. We're too busy being individuals and looking for the white man to save our black asses. And it ain't going to happen. Because if you're going to look at it from an outside-the-box perspective, in all honesty, in all truthfulness, what use do white people have for us? Think about it. Every nationality that then came to this country in the last 50 years, let's be honest, let's don't put emotions in this, are surpassing us. So if you're surpassing the people economically, educationally, culturally, and all those things. What do you see you to the white man? Yeah, but they're, they're not doing that on their own. They're getting help. They're getting major yeah, help. Yeah, but, the, but, but the, point of the, the point of the matter is, yes, we could say they're getting help. But the thing is this, Elliot, they're doing it. So even with that help, and the help that they're getting, they still have to be able to move forward as a collective to be in a position to do it. The question becomes for us, knowing that we're not getting any type of assistance and help from this oppressor, we're now in a situation where we're competing with others, what are we going to do? That's just the thing that we're not dealing with. You know the the thing, uh, brother, that um, that that get you know that I think you 
um, if you're providing the opportunity to reemphasize what Elliot um, says, um, whether um, black media, you know, format, formats are doing. Because as you were bringing up this question of what are we doing, um, the thought, you know, the, what comes to my mind, and, and you're, you're a regular listener, um, I, the thought comes to my mind is Brother Siddiqui in Boston. I mean, we, we hear what they're doing in Boston and the how, and it's a growth over time. Um, um, Brother Patrick in Mississippi um, and what they're doing in Mississippi, and, and, and it's a growth over time. Um, um, now, and, and I'm thinking of, uh, um, is it Mason? And I'm the, with, with the, um, what's, um, and I don't know why his name, the, the brother that's the farmer that, that ran, was wanted to run for, you talking about um, Tom, Tom Burrell. Yeah. Tom Burrell. And, and what he's, um, you know, doing, um, and, and I think he just had him, um, brought together, um, black farmers who own land that is tied to, um, you know, in connection with the blue oval and laid out what they're doing. And I, I guess, and, and there, and there's others, right. Um, the brother in Seattle, um, with Africa town, um, that, 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 and, and a few times, I think we, we would say we, um, in the interviewing a uh, few times that we interviewed and he came on each time it was a, um, a growth. So, I think those, I don't know if that fits your scenario of things. That, and these are the things that were, you know, Time for Awakening was able to present of people who are engaged in at answering and, and who are addressing that question. And they're doing it um, in different um, areas of the country. Um, and they're doing it with black folks with all those other things that you mentioned being true. So I, I just wanted to bring those things up to say, um, you know, that things are being done. And I and I would say that, you know, just in my time, even just here, um, and even looking at what's going on, you know, even though some I don't like and some I do like that's going on in Philly, there are things being done. Black folks are, in spite of those realities, um, as usual, and, and, and the reality and the reality is this: those are the individuals who may survive, but on the collective, how are we really going to survive as a people? Because you got to remember, when you have a group and you work within a group, and the group has an agenda and they understand collectively what they're facing, they can survive. But on the whole, I mean, just just think about you got a radio station there in Philly that is black, right? Mm-hmm. And imagine if you were going in the air with the listeners, of that radio station putting forward your message and then putting forward their message. In all honesty, what direction would black people go in? Well, information would change a lot of behavior, and that's what they're monitoring. That, okay. that, that's what that, and, that's and that's what that telecommunications act, huh? 
and that and and that's what I'm, I'm that's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say to you is the comparison of ideas, unfortunately, that is captivating the minds of the majority of black people. In all truthfulness, is not life given to our survival. Well, you know, if you understand the purpose of, let's say, what somebody like you is doing and what they are doing, because the reality is their whole premise is based on what integrating into whiteness. And when you are a student of history and you understand the white man, and you realize. As we progress, the white man ain't got no more use for your black ass. But, Seriously, but I mean, I don't know how. I mean, I I, I hear you because um, what you're saying, your conclusion seems to go um, counter to even the examples that were given. Because I I think what you did was say, well, those are very small examples. And and they they're not. Let me tell you what my conclusion is, so you could get somebody else. My conclusion is this: we have to figure out how to get white people to number one, leave us alone, and fulfill what they say is their commitment. Number two, I want to know what you mean by their commitment. Oh, Biden says his commitment is to help black people progress. Oh, well, that's so, a lie. So, you know that. Come on. You know I that. know that. You know that's a lie. I'm just saying we need said, to get black people to, to understand, number one, that's a lie. And number two, we need to really get black people to understand the situation that we are in collectively and how we need to rechange our direction as a people in order to move forward and survive this Holocaust that we're about to face. Well, I, listen, I, and me personally, I think that the situations that this society that we live under, which, which was set up on every type of evil premise that you can imagine, this society Agreed. that we live under is going to implode, and the situation and the situations that that our people are forced into is going to force them into action. You won't be able to that that example that uh, Cynthia McKinney used on this program that I put in that collage, and she used it this the uh, scenario of roots. You got a black man that's beaten. Kutikate along with the white man. You got one that figure he's a white man's friend to try to intervene with the boss on behalf of Kunta. And then you and you got Kunta himself that's trying to stand strong but being beaten. And you got dozens of people standing there watching. See, that's the key. The dozens of people that's standing. Now, the, the people that's standing watching, in their mind, they didn't want to see Kunta get beat. They would rather beat that mask, that uh, that so-called uh, plantation master, but they didn't do anything, and they wasn't doing anything. That's the key. That's the key is to get our people that's just sitting there. Listen, we are, and I'm not trying to fault anybody that listens to this program. 
we have people that listen to this program from all over. But when we have them perform, we don't. We rarely have a lot of people getting involved with the conversation. But there's plenty of people out there listening. We can't be do. We got to stop that. In fact, when we see those black talk stations, that the, the few of them that we have, we can't let them get on there spewing that foolishness. People got to call up and challenge that. Challenge it right away. If you got more people doing that, then they would have to say, "Oh, wait a minute." Then, then their their handlers would call them in and try to uh, divert the tension. They, they're masters at that. You got to ch- challenge, you to challenge you these that, people. You got to challenge you say them. That, I have to think. I think of, 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 of the so-called alternative media, man. And I, I, I think I listen to a lot of, a lot of medium. And I know people give... Roland Martin uh, a hard time. But I got to honestly, truly say, out of all of those cats that's in the media, that's supposedly alternative media like Vicky Dillard and Boyce Watkins and all of them, hey, man, they, they, they don't. They don't hold no candle with Roland. When it comes down to certain things, I'll give you a perfect example. And just just think about this. He did a deconstruction on the purchasing of BT. And the way he broke that down and put forward the information in regards to that, and you can go on YouTube and listen to it. It, it, you know, I think you would appreciate it because you you pretty balanced. Boyce Watkins, Vicky Dillard, and the rest of them that are supposedly new black media, they're not putting forward that type of work. You know, everything with them is some sort of conspiracy theories, no real serious analysis, and this or that. Nah, when you listen to what he said in regards to BT and the way that he broke it down. I mean, those are some of the things that I appreciate that he do. Now, other things, when he started with that Democratic Party and our only survival was with the vote and all of that, I have issues with, with, with that, some of that. Some I agree, some I don't agree. But the reality is, you got to know what you're doing, man. You just can't come on the mic and not be able to put forward a serious analysis like you do, um, Elliot. That's the one thing I could say. Anybody who listened to your show will say when you put something forward, it's the right perspective. Well, I it's wouldn't not say none that. of that real BS, man. You really, really, I, I said, do a good job. And that's why you probably not on terrestrial radio. That's why they, you know, had to get rid of you from that from that platform because the honesty and the truth. Imagine during the election season, you are the you are the radio and asking questions that you ask. Nick Rose would ask, "Well, what are you trying to do? Get get Trump back in office and all of that nonsense?" And the reality is. Neither one of these white men gonna really do anything for you. It's just who's gonna be the kind of white man to your black self. Who, who, you know, that's all it is. Now, now you need to stop while you're ahead. <laughs> you stop and, and, and listen, 
I'm gonna leave it with you with this, man. I appreciate y'all brothers. Y'all brothers do it, man. And and, and I tell you, man, I I enjoy listening to people like yourself and Tavis Smiley because I think he's a great interviewer. But to me, all I can say is we gonna hopefully work it out because the conditions are not getting better, man. They getting worse, and I think people are starting to observe what's going on, and there's, there's these little blatant BS racist things that these white folks do that don't help themselves, like what's going on in Florida. I mean, Florida is about to explode, man. People don't even realize, and you know how me and you going to suffer for Florida because in another two, three months, when we want to get some oranges or certain products and things of that nature, it's going to be, the price is going to be out of this world. Why? Why? Why, Elliot and Richie? Because they're not telling you this, but products is not being produced the way that they should be. But nobody's saying that. Nobody's telling you that. They're just talking about, well, they don't want to teach history or they want to teach some sort of untruthful version of history. You know something? I care less about that than I do anything in the world because it ain't their job to teach my child history. It's my job to teach my child history. It's black people's job to teach the children history because white folks ain't never going to tell the truth about history. Why do you think they're behaving the way that they are in regards to history? And they ain't doing nothing but hurting themselves. But listen, thank you again. And keep up the good work, brother. Y'all do y'all do a, a yeoman job and what you do, man. And like you say, more people should call in and have dialogue with you, man. Because hey, listen. No, I know I'm not saying I'm not saying understand it. But I'm not saying that. I'm just saying using her analogy that most of our people is I, I don't want to say they don't know what to do, but they're looking for somebody else to kind of do it. No, they don't they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. A lot of us know what to do, but you know, you got to watch some of these people also who try to, I tell you, to me, I think one of the most dangerous people right now in the space of so-called consciousness is this chick, Karen Hunter. Oh, you got to watch her be you got to watch and study her. She's dangerous. She's dangerous because the thing is, I don't know if people observe it who listen to her and things of that nature. She don't want to hold white people accountable for their BS. Well, she's not alone. She's not alone. Yeah, well, well, you got you to gotta, you gotta watch people like that closely. But look, man. Could you put me on mute, Thank- man? I got another call coming in. Thanks for, oh. your-, <laughs> thanks, right. thanks for your contribution. We just had a call going in, a call drop. But uh, call a call back if you want to try to get on. Uh, I'll take a brief break, give them an opportunity to call back if they want to. Uh, I'll take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to start uh, kind of reining it in. We'll mm-hmm. be right back.
Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. The Digital Plantation. Abibitumi.com. Abibitumi.tv. Abibitumi.tv.com. Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global you Black family to join your interconnected commit you black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. A new era, a new phase of the struggle, where we have moved from a struggle for decency, which characterized our struggle for 10 or 12 years to a struggle for genuine equality. And this is where we are getting the resistance because there was never any intention uh, to go this far. People were reacting to Bull Connor and to Jim Clark rather than acting in good faith for the realization of genuine equality. Do you think white people in this country, and I'm talking about non-segregation, as people devoid thinking they're devoid of racism. Do you have any idea of what they want the Negro to be in America? I think the vast majority of white Americans uh, will go but so far. It's a kind of installment plan for equality. And uh, they are always looking for an excuse uh, to go but so far. And know that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of 
his people. See, brother said responsibility. Is it, is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us? Or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America? We have to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Thank you. Whites are expert game players in their contests to maintain absolute power. One of the time-honored gimmicks is to point to individual blacks who've achieved recognition. But look at Raph Bunch. Think about Lena Horne or Marian Anderson. Look at Jackie Robinson. They made it as one of those who has made it. I would like to be thought of as an inspiration to our young, but I don't want them lied to. Name them for me. The examples of blacks who made it. For virtually everyone you name, I can give you a sordid piece of factual information on how they have been mistreated, humiliated. Not being able to fight back is a form of severe punishment. I come here tonight and plead with you. Believe in yourself and believe that you're somebody. As I said to the group last night, Nobody else can do this for us. No document can do this for us. No Lincolnian Emancipation Proclamation can do this for us. No Kennesonian or Johnsonian Civil Rights Bill can do this for us. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-assertive manhood his own emancipation proclamation. Don't let anybody take your manhood. Born Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. It's coming. This is to be Black Liberation Movement. Elmer Geronimo Pratt Gun Club presents the 7th Annual Black Liberation Movement Building Power Summit 2023. Building Power Summit, free the land, undivide and reclaim, September 15th to the 17th. Jackson, Mississippi at the historic Black Tougaloo College. Portions of the conference to be aired on Time for an Awakening Media, Black Talk Radio Network. Calling all serious Black power organizations, revolutionaries, organizers to attend this divine experience. For more information, contact Brother Patrick Lumumba, 662-560-5434. Sister Crystal Denise, 405-361-4751 and Brother Nick Bezel, 512-364-0050. That's the 7th Annual Black Liberation Movement Building Power Summit 2023. Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 8-9-23 in this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Coming down the home stretch, let's go to Atlanta. Atlanta? 
Atlanta, are you there? One more time. Atlanta, are you there? Richard, I don't think Atlanta was there. Uh, Richard, interesting dialogue. Interesting dialogue tonight. And, uh, you know, getting people involved in the conversation. And uh, moving forward, I think we're going to have some interesting guests coming up in the next yes. two, three weeks on, on uh, Time for an Awakening. Should be interesting for our listening audience to hear from some of these guests this upcoming. Um, I have to mention, I just got um, a response from a brother that did the uh, book uh, Free the Land, which is about the Republic of New Africa. So um, we're supposed to get back with them. Um, um, so that should be interesting also. Oh, you know what? You sent that in an email to me, didn't you? Right, right, right. Text. Okay, I, I didn't get a chance to. Just, okay, we just have to give. You know, he said to just give him a date, but that's that's. You know, it goes to where we open, right? Um, because the Republic of New Africa was established to, um, from what you know, to be able to create create that governance mechanism here using the five states, which were the states that most of black farmers, um, black people, right, already um, lived in. So just just throwing that out, uh, you know, as you said, you know, to what's coming up beyond besides others. Uh, listen, before we go this evening, just want to give uh, the lineup on time for an awakening uh, media uh, African practice with Brother Oshi. That's Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Always interesting topics and dialogue on African perspectives. That's 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays later on in the week on Thursday. Mississippi on the move, the Black Liberation Movement in Mississippi, Brother Patrick Lumumba, from 7 to 8 on Thursday evenings, Friday time for awakening from 8 until on Saturdays from 7 to 9, the Elders of Sankofa with Dr. Janine James as host, and on Sunday time for an awakening is back from 7 until. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening, lively discussion as always, and we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon Or you're watching your children playing after school
Save the children. 